0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Des Bishop podcast. It's been a couple of months. I, I, I'm aware of that. Um, but here we are. And I actually I put up an episode two weeks ago on The Shift, and I really should have put it up here. Because uh, it really, it, it had nothing to do with The Shift. For those that don't know what The Shift is, it's a new sex and dating podcast I'm doing. Um, and... But really, it was a Des Bishop podcast thing. If you haven't listened to it, I recommend you listen to it before this episode because it was um, was about, it was the night that my mom died and I couldn't sleep and I just sort of recorded my thoughts and it's over there for your listening pleasure. And um, then about five nights later, uh, I recorded another episode to just sort of mark where my head was at. Uh, sort of post-funeral, post-wake, and I was getting ready to um, go to Sydney. Oh, sorry, go to Australia via Dublin. So I had to go back to Dublin, get my stuff, and then go to Australia. I had delayed everything by a couple of days, canceled some shows. Anyway, I didn't end up putting it up because I traveled to Australia and it was just a hellish trip. Uh, They lost my bag, I was way too tired to travel. I mean, I didn't... I just about kept it together. But honestly, I was like not awake enough, emotionally stable enough to do that trip. But I did it. And I'm here now and I'm settled in and everything's good. But I just kind of was so battling jet lag and stuff. I just was like not in the mood to put it up. was questioning myself of whether it's a good idea to put it up. But now... Even though I'm still a little jet lagged, in that it's uh, 5 a.m. Uh, officially, actually 5:05 a.m., and I woke up at 3, I just uh, I didn't take any Nyquil. I, I'm just I'm just trying to like get over it. Even though I've been here for well, I've only been here for seven days and about six hours. Uh, I arrived on Wednesday night Australia time last week, and now it's Thursday morning 5 a.m. So I'm not here that long but i'm still struggling with the jet lag which is always the way with me i'm just bad with the jet lag anyway i'm going to put it up now this is uh this is something i recorded about 5 days after my mom died and th- there was, there was this annoying sound that kept coming into my headphones and it was distracting me and uh i just left it in cuz i just you know that's that's what was going on in my head. I don't want to edit it out and then have people wonder why suddenly I'm a bit distracted. Um and uh you know, it, it 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 it's uh it's just a moment in time. That's what I like about recording these little these little podcasts. It's a moment in time after the after the chaos of the funeral and the admin. You know, it's just the very beginning of that feeling, which is really just sheer exhaustion. And uh so, this is that, and um, I know I'm always saying this to you guys, but I really am going to try to get the Desbyshire Podcast up and running, because I think I'm going to have an opportunity now to get a bit more support, which I never had before, and I'm going to use that as a motivation to keep this going, because I enjoy the shift, it's fun, but it's a very different thing, and really, because when my mom died, it just reminded me of how much I enjoy talking to other people about the difficult things in life and how we deal with them and talking to other people about their experiences of grief over the last couple of weeks has really just reminded me that I also need to do a podcast that is not afraid at times, not always, but at times to delve into tough stuff like that, like we have in the past about like anxiety and, uh, you know, talking to different people about the things that have gone on in their life. So anyway, long story short, here is, uh, me, uh, after my mom died and, uh, we'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Des Bishop podcast. It's been a few weeks and here I am again. As I said, I guess it's just sporadic, you know? when i need someone to talk to maybe i hope you guys are okay with that i mean today is a day where i would think i need somebody to talk to and when i say that what i really mean is i wanted to record my thoughts and i was quite delighted to have you all listen um it's uh what's today's date Today's date is March 24th, and I'm sitting in my mother's apartment in Oakland Gardens, Queens. Uh, it's it's Sunday evening, 5.32, beautiful early spring day. It's been quite warm today. I have the window open and I can hear the birds singing, and uh, sporadically I hear a woodpecker hammering away somewhere. Uh, It's nice here, my mother's place is next to uh, Alley Pond Park, nice park I think I may have talked about it before On the uh, episode I did about consent It's a park where we used to run Track, you know, track and field athletics When we were kids And uh, anyway, it's my last day in this uh, apartment Before I head back to Ireland tonight And then on to Australia And for those that may not know On Tuesday, March 19th My mom died Actually in the room next to me I was there with my brothers And I On the Shift podcast My other podcast That I do with Katie Boyle I shared My thoughts that night The night that my mom died And uh I don't know why, it really was because I couldn't sleep, and I just thought, you know what, I was so full of emotion, um, and I was so weary from what had gone on, and almost kind of confused, don't know how to describe it really, there was everything and nothing going on in my mind, it was so much so, there was so much going on in my mind that it was just a... a a mess, just a big mishmash, and uh, so I decided to just put some words down, mark the occasion, and share them with uh, the people that listen to The Shift. I kind of did that because I promised on The Shift podcast that I would put it up every Wednesday and not do what I did here with the Des Bishop podcast, which was get lazy and disrespect you guys by not updating all the time Uh, so that's a commitment thing over there and I just did it partially for myself partially out of duty needless to say I was really happy that I did because I have that now forever my thoughts of that night and I mean I was aware that I was speaking to anonymous people so it's not it's not completely uncensored thoughts And when I say uncensored I don't mean I was You know Very cautious about what I was saying But I was aware That I was speaking publicly And I don't think it's the same As if I was speaking with my cousin Sinead Right now And she was asking me how I was or, You know I'd probably break down You know that There's an intimacy with that That would probably cut right through the The um, Trying to intellectualize What's going on with me emotionally You know but I think in terms of talking on these things, it's a bit of fun slash can be quite helpful to try to make sense of it in some way and tease it out. And so today's Sunday, five days. I mean, you, you can't get a faster five days than the, when your second parent dies. You know, I think most of you guys probably know I lost my dad in 2011, but this was like totally different. You know, and I'm not going to get into that first day. If you want to know about that, I literally talked about it for an hour over on the Shift Podcast. If you want to listen to that first, leave me now and come back. I'll keep it chronological because I'm trying to register for myself everything that's happened since. You couldn't get a fast five days because... You know, your your mom dies, and then, I mean, we were there, and that's just this fucking insane emotional upheaval for you, for my brothers, for my mom's sisters and brothers, for my two nephews, particularly my oldest nephew, Kieran. Everybody just, like, ripped apart. And uh, her friends, some of whom, like, called in To check in on my mom at like 6 o'clock. I was like, I'm sorry, guys, but my my mom died two and a half hours ago. Like, that's tough, you know? And then you have to like respect their moment. Even though you're partially like thinking, fuck off. Even though you're never going to say fuck off. But in your mind, you're thinking like, I'm sorry that you found out this way. And now... You're here, like just when this fucking bomb of grief just thrown upon you. But we're 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 worse, and we're we're, we're processed, you know. And it's just weird. Like you get these weird moments where people are not intruding, but they feel like intruders, and it's not their fault, and it's not your fault for feeling that way. But it's just like I'm sorry you found out this way, but you have to go, and people don't go, and so you 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 go through this wave of a um, like sadness plus frustration and also the awareness that you've so much to do you know and you have to do it there is no choice people help but they can't they can't do some stuff you know and luckily Luckily, I had gotten some decent advice about pre-arrangements with the funeral home. Um, You know, I said it on the other podcast, but, you know, like, the hospice doctor had said to me, like, you can make pre-arrangements with the funeral home. You know, I thought it was going to be a couple days. It was two hours later. She was dead. I called the guy back. I was like, sorry, I didn't actually realize I'd be calling you straight away, but here we go, you know? And um, I didn't talk about this on the other podcast either, but there was kind of like a touch of a mix-up with the funeral home, possibly because it was all a bit quick. But the guy, the funeral director that we deal with is kind of like a friend of the family. He's certainly like a neighborhood guy. And so it's all quite casual with him. So he was over, we're doing all the questions, you know, just a lot of admin. Luckily, he just copied. I was so glad I used him because he just copied my dad's. He just said, we're doing everything with your dad, the same as your dad. Except I told him my mother wanted a closed casket at the wake. You know, Americans like to view the body at the wake. Well, certainly East Coast Americans. So he said, we'll just copy it. Boom. Pay the money. Well, you know, the money, it was a lot of money. Anyway, long story short. The guy from the funeral home turns up to get to take my mom. And, you know, you got to realize, like. You know, my, my dead mom is in the bed for like. I guess like an hour, maybe an hour and a half, hour and a half, you have a dead person lying in the room. It's pretty wild, you know? And you get so used to it that you just, you're like walking in and out, sort of checking on her and trying to rearrange her face a little bit, make her look a bit better. You know, and um, the guy turns up on his own. And the, the funeral director friend of ours is kind of old. He's not that physically able to deal with transporting a dead body through, uh, you know, two tight hallways and out onto the street. So, um, I had to help carry my mom out of the apartment, which was fine. It was just kind of a bit weird. But then there's also this other weird thing where I knew that my mom was in this bag. And I know this sounds kind of like cold, but like, this is what was happening, I knew my mom was in the bag, but actually, I was just focused on, like, it not falling over, and, you know, it was, it was kind of weird, like, I didn't actually feel, this felt like something I had to do, and, uh, you know, they just put it in the back of, like, a van, away she goes, and, um, it was it was different to my dad's too because my dad died first thing in the morning. My mom died in the afternoon, so like, very quickly everybody was over. You know, the house was busy, and I, I just wasn't I wasn't able for much of that. You know, because I was quickly like, you know, they don't really do obituaries anymore in, in the states, so you have to start posting on social media like the arrangements. And, uh, there was this funny moment, (laughs) there was this funny moment where, um, I was actually on my mom's Facebook trying to write, I, I decided I was going to write in my mother's voice a message basically saying that I'm gone, she's gone, you know, and, uh, I was in the middle of it all and, uh, Oh, sorry. I was getting a bit of feedback there. I was in the middle of it all. And, uh, somebody makes a suggestion, somebody who's not that close to the family was close to my mom, but we don't really know them. Somebody made the suggestion. Oh, maybe you should post on your mom's Facebook, the arrangements. And I like snapped at them. I was like, I'm in the middle of fucking posting on my mom's Facebook, you know? And even though they meant well, it's just the kind of thing that I'm talking about where it's just like, everybody just fuck off. Like, please just get the fuck out of the house, you know? And uh, when when everybody left, (laughs) my brother Aiden, who had had another incident a couple of days earlier where my, when my mom was still alive but somebody came in that wasn't that close with the family and like started making a couple of suggestions so when they left I was like Aiden uh fucking that girl It was driving me nuts man and he was like yo because on my mother's on oxygen right so on the front door there's a sign that says oxygen in use no smoking no candles and uh so Eden says yo bro there should be a sign on the door that says no smoking, no candles, and then a sign next to it that says "No fucking suggestions which so I thought it was funny uh and I think people who've been through this probably know and 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 I admit it like sometimes the suggestions are good, but you just kind of like don't want to hear it or you're sensitive or whatever anyway i uh so I might as well I might as well share with you what i what I put on her Facebook um because it's still there it's all a bit weird it's all a bit it's a bit recent so like you kinda you're sad but then it's also like doesn't it hasn't sunk in that's the truth you know so this is what i wrote for my mom on the 19th of march at seven ten pm on her facebook i had a great life i have to say goodbye to my son's grandchildren sisters brothers nieces nephews and my amazing friends i had the loveliest husband and i am with him again life was never the same without him but i am so glad i got more time with you all and got to see my grandchildren grow into the two handsome boys they are today i fought when it was worth fighting and when it was and when it was time to let go i was with my sons and i was in no pain and uh, that's what i wrote but I put up a picture of a, a letter that we found because we started going, the funeral home said that uh, we could put on a, a slideshow of pictures for for the funeral home. And uh, so we started going through pictures and somebody found a letter that my dad had written to uh, my mom for their 35th wedding anniversary. And it meant so much to me because it just showed how caring my dad was and how much they got each other, even though, you know, as kids or as, as as a child of theirs, including in my adult life, you know, you would look at their relationship and think, there's loads about it that I wouldn't like myself. But of course, that's just ignorance because the sacrifices and the compromise and the apologies and the acceptance of people's flaws that you have to go through to stay together for your whole life, you know, your whole sort of married life is, uh, is beyond me, actually. And I loved this letter that my dad wrote because we, honestly, we didn't get to witness that much affection in our house. My dad was an affectionate guy. He was an emotional guy. My mom was not. And, you know, that's okay. The whole, the whole journey is complete now. I'm completely comfortable with it all. But this was lovely anyway. So I'll read it to you. My dearest Eileen, I know you don't like sloppy cards. There's a hint about who my mom is. My dearest Eileen, I know you don't like sloppy cards. But there are these words I am writing are from the heart It's a little sloppy, by the way. Soon we will be celebrating 35 years of marriage, and now that we have an empty nest, it is just you and myself. You should know that you have been a fantastic mother, and you gave it everything a mother could. I only wish I had a mother like you. Please understand I love you very much, and I will do my best to make your day an enjoyable one. Your loving husband, Mike. And what I love about that is my mom was real paranoid that she didn't do a good job as a mother. I know that for a fact. She shared it with me many times. And there were times in my life where I would have said, "Well, you should feel that way because you know, she was a tough lady. But she suffered a lot in her life and she suffered a lot with anxiety and things that Sorry. Sorry, I had a little Oh, getting a little annoying feedback here. Where is that coming from? Maybe it's from the computer okay, it's gone, but uh, she had a lot of paranoia about what she did, uh, yeah, so, uh, sorry, and anxiety, which of course wasn't a thing that people discussed in the 80s, and all the things that she went through in her life, anyway, I, I might talk about that a bit more a little later, but for now, in terms of what's so beautiful about this letter, is that, You know, it's just the two of them, and he just wants her to know that she did the best that she could. And amazingly, my father's mother was imprisoned for the mistreatment of my father, which I wrote about extensively in a book I wrote about my dad. But, you know, she was paranoid, schizophrenic, and she really abused my father terribly. And he had a horrific childhood, you know. So, it's just sweet. Two incredibly wounded adults with all the pain of their lives behind them really children raised all of them college educated you know all of them survived their their wild times the booze and all the other crap and uh, now they're gone, settled, comfortable and here we are, the two of us still together and you did a great job and now let's, now let's enjoy our time, you know, now let's enjoy our empty nest, sorry I'm distracted because of this feckin' noise I'm getting, hold on, might be the cable, actually I I think I'll take that, I think I'll take the, I think I was getting feedback from my headphones, (sighs) It's annoying because it was messing with my flow, you know? Anyway, that was the first night. And then all the organization starts. Myself and my two brothers. And it's weird because you feel like you're on show. You're doing this for, for everybody. Everybody else, sort of, you know? I don't know how to describe it, but you just want it to be right. Um, So we organized the wake for uh, Thursday, two days later, morning or afternoon and evening. And, uh, you know, you have to do stupid shit. Like you got to get a wreath for the coffin and you got to order death certificates and you got to call social security you got to call medicare i haven't done all this by the way i did some of it call her retirement guy um you gotta talk to people in ireland who are thinking about flying over you know and you gotta message you know respond to everybody who's sending their condolences and you know you gotta Listen to everybody that's like, if there's anything I can do, which by the way, unless you're like immediate family, you never need to say, if there's anything I can do, because there is nothing that you can do. And if I asked you to do it, you'd be distraught because you wouldn't have a fucking clue what to do. The only thing anybody should ever do is not say, is there anything I can do. If they're good at cooking, they should just fucking bring food to the house without a question. Just bring the food, leave it on the door, knock on the door, whatever. You just need food because honestly, there's so much going on that you forget to eat. And when you think about eating, you're like, oh, fuck, food. Can't, this is the one extra thing that's going to put me over the edge. You know, it's the one thing in the midst of this exhaustion, incredible exhaustion that might throw you over the edge. And then you go, oh, my aunt left a shepherd's pie. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this shepherd's pie. Thank you, Lord, for this microwave. The best shepherd's pie I ever fucking ate in my life. Thank you. And the sadness comes. It does. It comes in waves. Sometimes it's just sheer exhaustion. That's all I've felt since the funeral. But even before that, it comes in waves. You hardly sleep. And then you wake up in the middle of the night and you look at your phone for a sec. You know? This damn fucking feedback. I don't even, the annoying thing is I don't even know if it's going in. You know, you wake up and you look at your phone. Something might set you off or a comment comes up on the Facebook post and it brings you back to the post. And you read it again. And it kills you. It reminds you. She's gone. And you keep coming back to the end. Well, me anyway. Sometimes the thought of her not being around, this is all immediate. I'm aware of that. I know some people are listening to this going, this goes on forever or whatever. I get that. I can only speak from my own experience, but sometimes you think they're not going to be around and it doesn't bug you. And then sometimes it hits you hard. But every time, something brings me back to the end. I just think of the sadness of life. The weakness. The fight. Disappearing. Those final breaths. And it's strange because I was there with my dad too. and It felt like a relief. You know? Like in a way his life was more complete even though he was younger, 74, you know? It felt like a relief. Like we did it. You got sick and we did everything we could do and you did it. But with my mother it just felt sad. Really sad. That the fight was gone. And I, I i don't know why that is. But every time I think about those last breaths, I just feel sad for her. And sad for myself. Like maybe. Maybe. She wasn't ready. Like maybe it snuck up on her a little bit. And I know that people die in different ways. Some people have a heart attack, total shock. And my mom, you know, it was a godsend. She was in a lot of pain, but it all snuck up on us over the last six or seven weeks. It wasn't like a specific diagnosis that said this is going to happen, you know. It snuck up on us because something happened to our spine. It It caused a lot of pain, you know. But it wasn't necessarily like a terminal thing it just led to you know it just led to her give body giving up you know she had a lot of problems but the point is that you know we didn't have all the conversation and there was nothing left to say you know but at the same time like i just didn't i just wasn't ready for death and maybe i'm putting my own feelings about what went, what happened onto my mom at that moment. Maybe she was okay with it. But when I think of that moment, I just, I'm sad. And I hope I'm wrong. And that's probably why the funeral was so great for me. Because... You know, my mom was was tortured most of her life by her own head, stress, anxiety, worry. She need not be. Everything turned out pretty good for all the people she was worried about, but... I knew that in the end we were there for her, which was important. You know, she used to say, like, when she got sick first, like, four years ago, five years ago, she had lung cancer first, which is not what killed her. But it did begin, the decline. She used to say things like, well, I'm just going to be on my own. I need to live near my sister because I didn't have any daughters. And you guys live all over the world, and, you know, I'm not going to have anybody to look after me. Which, of course, was a little bit passive-aggressive. But she used to say that but we did look after her the whole way. And, I, you know, I know she knew, she knew that. at the I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And, and we didn't do it to spider. We didn't always do it out of love. Um, sometimes just out of duty, but it felt like I was happy that she knew that we had done it. I was happy that she knew that we were there at the end. I hope at the end, her awareness that everything we, we did, you know, was, was for her and that we were there for her gave her a bit of solace or a sense of feeling that. We cared and we loved her, and that she didn't need to feel bad for the job that she did. And she need never have worried that we wouldn't look after her. Yeah. So, I think I was about to say, sorry, I got distracted there because of all this stuff that's going on in my ear, but. (sighs) The thing that I loved about the funeral was. It went off perfectly. The people came, and, you know, the wake is fun. You see people you haven't seen in years, you kind of have a good time, but it's exhausting. I mean, exhaustion is the, is the biggest emotion that I've taken from these five days. And in fact, the, the only reason I'm probably speaking into this mic right now is because I've been trying to relax all day and I can't relax. I just needed to fucking do something. But that's because I'm sort of like, so physically exhausted, but also so emotionally uncomfortable that I just needed to do something to distract myself. Um, but the wake was tiring, man. And then, stupidly, I, I said I would do the fucking eulogy, and uh, which was important to me up until the night before the funeral, because I felt like, with my dad there was like a little more time there was definitely more time everything happened fast with my mom and also I was doing a show about my dad I took half of that shit from the show banged it out in the church got my laughs expressed my love and sadness and it was easy whereas here I am now the night before the funeral having a clue what I want to say and I want to talk about this incredibly complex woman in a loving way. But be funny. And moving. And do credit to her. And I know she would care that it was good. Because you know. My, my mother was real into. Me being successful as a comedian. She liked it a lot. And she would really like. That I did a good eulogy. It would probably kill her. If I didn't do it considering I did my dad's except that she was dead so she need not be concerned about that but I think you get what I mean and whatever you believe about what happens after death and I don't know but I know that you have to do your best for them regardless of whether they know or not and I don't think she knows but I know and I wanted to do it for her you know, make her proud one last time. So I had to write this damn thing, man. I couldn't sleep. I tried to write a bit. I mean, I was so exhausted. I tried to write a bit. I did all right, but it was fucking all over the place. And I was trying to, like, I was trying to address some of the negatives about her in a way that was, like, loving and, you know, had, like, a message. But then I was like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, man, you know. It's not a fucking TED talk bro Just like Get concise here man It's like a five minute speech And then I was like I'm going to bed I'm too tired for this shite Fell asleep for like an hour Woke up Boom Bright as a button Tried to get back to sleep Took some NyQuil You know just like a gentle sleep aid uh, You know Got like Another 45 minutes out of that woke up again middle of the night tried to sleep tried to sleep tried to sleep looked at my phone then eventually I gave up I was like fuck it I'm getting up I'm writing this fucking thing oh god I slaved over it man finally I I got it down to what what I thought was good my brother Aiden got up I got him to read it he was happy and then it was like 7.30 a.m. I had to go pick up my jacket from the tailor. They open at 8. Next thing, like, boom. It's all running into each other, you know? Next thing, it's the funeral. And, uh, well, the priest was amazing. And that helped. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the church nowadays. But this priest was from Brooklyn, big performer. He had done my mother's last rites. And he had done a little service at the wake, but he was a nice guy. Um, and uh, when he did my mom's last rites, I swear to God, it was like an exorcism. Like I thought my mom's head was gonna fucking spin around. I mean, he really gave it socks in there. So I knew he was a big performer, which I like. And uh, so when we got to the church, Oh, let me share this, actually. So you have to go to the funeral home. Say goodbye one last time. And then, in the States, like, you follow the hearse. You put on the hazards. I don't know if you do that in Ireland, but... You put on the hazards. You follow the hearse. And... I had, I put, I turned on the radio, it was myself and my brother, we didn't get a limo, you know, we because we, my mother was getting cremated, but we weren't going to the crematorium, long story, I won't get into it, but it was just a time difference, we would have to wait hours, so it was just easier to just call it a day after the church, so we had decided that at the end of the funeral mass, everybody was going to put a rose on the casket, they would shut the door, and that would be it, and I was happy with that, because this motherfucking shit goes on forever. So my mom's being cremated, and we're waiting for the ashes, anyway... We're driving with the hearse. And it's sad, you know. The the, the walking out of the funeral home is sad. Like, that's a moment, you know. That's a goodbye moment, man. It's tough. There's a few triggers, like, throughout the process. And that one is tough. It was tough with my dad, too. And, uh... So we get in the car. It's just me and Aiden. My brother's with his wife and his two kids. The hazards are on. And I turn on the radio. Because I'm just, like... I, I go through a mix of sort of crying and sort of joking around. And as we're pulling out of the funeral home, far from the shallows or, or in the shallows, you know, the, the Lady Gaga song from A Star Is Born came on. And I decided to turn it up real loud because I thought, you know what? It's important to have things that make you remember moments. And I wanted to mark this moment of driving through the neighborhood that I grew up in To St. Kevin's Church. The church that I was an altar boy in. And a reader. And I want to. Think of it. This drive. Every time I hear this song. Because it's so fucking profound. You know. it It was raining too. It was just. It was just real sad. And I was crying. But it felt good though. It's weird. It felt like. We did it, man. We we fucking showed up for our mom, and it's pounding, you know. In the shadow, the shadow. Music is pounding, and I'm just taking it in. It's almost like I'm I'm fucking I'm imprinting it on my mind, like a Clockwork Orange, you know. I'm fucking locking it in there. This moment, and uh, we pull into the parking lot. Past the church which I hadn't passed in ages it looked different and uh, we went in but just jumped forward a few days and I have a major regret about picking that song or deciding that I would turn it up because I didn't put it on it just came on the radio 95.5 WPLJ that song is on all the fucking time I said it in an Insta story. It's on all the fucking time. And I cry every time I hear it now. Like a, like a fucking hypnotist. It comes on, boom. I'm thinking about that moment. The wiper's going. The hazard's in front of me flashing. The hearse, the car beyond. Wondering how it came to this moment. You think about it so often. What'll it be like at my mom's funeral? And then boom, you're in the middle of it. Lady Gaga's belting in your ear. I mean, I'll never forget it. And soon that song won't be on every five seconds, but until then I'm tortured. (sighs) The priest was great. He, uh, He made a homily, man. He did a lot of research. He knew a lot of shit about my parents. Obviously, people from the parish had told him. I think he may have made more of an effort because, I mean, we... I think we left an impression on him. But either way, it doesn't matter. The homily was great. And he talked about the fact that the bishops used to always come to Mass and the kids were, like, impeccably dressed. And he said, you know, all the families would always look at the bishops. They were the models. And, uh... I jokingly said under my breath, well, actually, we were we we're my models. And the priest said, oh, 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 you guys are models? And I was like, no, 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 we were actually child models. We modeled as kids. This is in the middle of the funeral. <laughs> we were all laughing. Everybody was laughing. It was great. I just thought that was great that that could happen at the funeral, this little moment. My mom would have loved that, too. And it was great, this priest, you know he talked about my mom running the homeless shelter which I had in my own eulogy which was great because he kind of teed it up he talked about my dad giving Burberry jackets to the homeless which I then added to my own eulogy when I said it that what the priest didn't know is that actually the homeless people got the stuff that my dad didn't take out for us so we got the best stuff and the homeless got like the yellow shit so actually we were actually taken out of the homeless bag but a lot of people in this neighborhood had a lot of good Burberry shit from my dad. But he found out about that. That was that was great. Really great. And it was funny and it was poignant because I mean I'm not religious, but he tied my mother's service in the homeless shelter to, you know, the gospel that he read, and he deliberately picked the gospel so that he could make this point about my mom and the fact that she considered Feeding the homeless and clothing the homeless and giving them shelter to be important enough to fight for, because she did fight for that. You know, she fought for that homeless shelter. There was a lot of resistance in the area, and she started it. And that was great, because that was my mom's good side. You know, she was a fucking fighter, man. and She cared about helping other people, she really did. Um. So that was great It's hard to enjoy it totally though When you have to do the eulogy Because uh, It's always on your mind, you know It's on your mind Are you gonna Are you gonna be good And it's so stupid to worry about that Because It doesn't matter You know, it doesn't matter, but of course, of course it mattered to me, you know, stupid egomaniac. I wanted to give the best damn eulogy, but I had a secret weapon. My nephew had seen my mom before she died. He was very upset. And, uh, he was there in the next room when she died, and he was very distraught. And, you know, my mom wasn't well the last five years, so I I, I really wasn't that aware of how close they had become, because I thought that she wasn't really that physically able to look after them. But it turns out they developed quite a little relationship, and, uh... When Kieran got home that night, he told his father that he wanted to say something at my mom's funeral. Which I loved, you know? Because I get that. People express, them, their, people express their emotions in different ways. But I get the feeling that you want to say something to everybody. I'm only doing it right now. You know, and I, 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 I like the thought of giving the eulogy, and I like the fact that that's in him too. That thought that he's going to express himself to everybody else, that that's how he connects by performing, by saying it to others. He has that in him. That's just each to their own, but that's instinctual, you know. I think. It's his personality, and uh, he refused to let my brother read it, and his mom only uh, took a couple of sentences out. She didn't change anything he wrote. She just took a couple of sentences out that she thought were a bit long, Um, and it was so nice because it also gave me a little moment with Kieran because he sat next to me. He had his little speech. And I had to tell him to kneel. They don't take these kids to mass. I had to tell him when to kneel. And when he knelt, he said, where will I put my speech? And then he was like, I'll put it down here. It'll be okay down here. He was really worried about his little speech, you know? And early on in the mass, I said to him, are you nervous? And he said, I'm a little nervous. And I said, because I'm really nervous. And he said, I'm really nervous. <laughs> he didn't want to admit it, but I was nervous. and So was he. And uh, I just loved it. I loved having to worry about Kieran as well as everything else. And the mass had gone so well. And Be Not Afraid was played at the communion. Because if anyone's seen my stand-up show lately, you'll know that I have a whole bit about Be Not Afraid in funerals. And even though it was a punchline in my joke, I didn't think the next time I would be at a funeral would be my mom's, but I asked for Be Not Afraid to be played at Communion. Love that song. I tried to sing it, but every time I started singing, I started crying. I just couldn't... I guess I couldn't let the vibrations just resonate down deep, anywhere near my soul, because it was hurting. So I stopped singing. And then the priest called us up and uh, I did my yogi. My yogi was fine. I was happy with it. It was funny and meaningful. And uh, I mean, the only bit I'll share really is that I had, um, I think I said this in the shift podcast, but I had been joking with people that the last words that my mother ever said were, I asked her, where do you want me to spread your ashes? Because I didn't know and she said I don't give a fuck where you spread my ashes it's kind of like a like a funny moment you know she was only halfway. through. Said, I don't give a fuck where you spread my ashes you know it's just like totally different to my dad but I told that story I'm only rushing through that now because I told that story in the other podcast you'll hear that over there but I was wrong because actually I was warned the last words the last word she said was when she was in pain about two hours later 5.30pm to about 6.15pm on the Monday evening she was in a lot of pain and we couldn't give her enough morphine and i was still trying to keep the morphine low because i didn't realize she was so close to death i was still trying to keep her lucid while at the same time get rid of the pain and she was apologizing for being in pain you know like i'm sorry you know she kept saying i'm sorry she's you know moving around the bed like trying to find a position i'm sorry she kept saying And uh, you know, that's really like the way my mother was, you know. She was sorry for being a nuisance. She was sorry for being a pain. And you know, you know, sometimes I wonder if she was really more aware that she was to the end than we were. that maybe she was aware that maybe this might be her last lucid moment that she needed to get that sorry out for everything she need not be sorry the sorry was accepted long ago but I don't think she'd completely let go of it her feelings of how she failed as a mom which is just not true she did not fail as a mom because it's just fucking hard next to impossible to do it right Especially with the life that she had, the childhood that she had. And it's just so easy to notice that now when the f- circle's full, it just doesn't matter a fucking bit. You come through everything together and all the good and the bad, it makes you who you are. And you don't change a fucking thing, you accept it, you drive on you don't hold on to resentments and you be loving and you show up and you do your fucking duty and it was all done and she need not have said sorry again and maybe she was just saying sorry for being a pain because she was in pain and maybe she was saying sorry because she felt that that was the last thing she needed to say either way that's the last thing she said and I said that in the eulogy that my mother said sorry, you know, sorry for being a pain, sorry for being a nuisance because she was much better at helping than being helped. That was my mom. She was just like a caretaker, you know? But my, uh, my nephew was gonna come and take it home. He's not even 10 years old till next month. And, uh, I mean, what he wrote is just incredible. Incredible. I can't believe how much he got her. And I was so happy to know how much she meant to him. It's hard to believe. I'll read it to you. I like it because it makes me feel sad. It's good to connect with it. I posted it on my Instagram, by the way. My grandma sadly passed away recently, and though I know she went through a lot, she's in a better place now. But I miss her, more than anything, and only now do I truly realize what she meant to me. She always said I could be whoever or whatever I wanted to be. I'll never forget how proud and supportive she was of me and her family, She'd never apologized for who she was, and she showed strength to the very end. She was a tough lady, but she still loved me unconditionally. I think of her as someone who had a full life, who loved her family, and who was loved. She was a lot of things. A wife, a mom, an aunt, and a nana. But to me, she was a superwoman. Not even ten years old. Pretty incredible. And first of all, he wrote, I think of her as someone who had a fulfilled life. And his mom, for some reason, thought that was grammatically incorrect and told him to change it to a full life. But I like fulfilled. That was his original word. Who loved her family and was loved. I mean, that is like amazing. She never apologized for who she was and showed strength to the very end. I like that. That he noticed that she was she was unique. She was a fucking tough lady, man. Sharp and cutting. Too loose with lips. And he noticed that. The fact that she was cool with who she was. I like that. And then he wrote, she was a tough lady, but she still loved me unconditionally. She was a tough lady, but still she loved me unconditionally, he wrote. Beautiful that he felt that. Thank God. Thank God. And I love the fact that my mother said to him that he could be whoever or whatever I wanted to be. He could want, you know, he wanted to be. And how proud and supportive she was of him because, you know, he's into acting. And I know that my mother told him to, like, push it and went to the show. It was, you know... I liked that that meant something to him. And I kind of liked that my mother wasn't like kind of better at being a grandmother than she was at being a mom, <laughs> which I think happens a lot when they get a sort of second go at being nurturing, you know, minus the stress, they're able to really like be affectionate. I like that. You know, It was in her. It's beautiful. It's a weird like lucky thing to be able to do all that the funeral and have those moments and when we were walking out Kieran was crying his little brother Connor gave him a hug it killed him that that Kieran was upset of course he was upset too but at that moment he was looking after his older brother who probably was finally able to cry again after the eulogy was done and he did what he wanted to do for my mom he was able to let it out so sweet you know it was great three generations all flowing down the aisle family man in the end it's the shit that matters you know That's it, really. I was kind of relieved walking down. I was bawling my eyes out walking down with my dad, but... With my mom, you know, we were a man down. It was just us, the boys, and I'm the oldest. And I don't think I took on more of a responsibility, but... I don't know. I felt a lot of relief. Just walking down that aisle like we did it damn near perfect, man, like, couldn't have gone better, and some of that was luck, but it really worked out great, my mom had a great funeral, you know, and uh, I was, it was weird, I was just, like, so happy that I did it for her, like, like, I knew she would be, like, fucking nailed it, you nailed it. Her only wishes were she was cremated and she had a closed casket. She made that clear to me so many times throughout my life. So I was happy. Happy that we nailed it. And, uh... Aiden was very upset at the end. When we put the flowers on the coffin and Yeah Since then honestly It's just been a mixture of exhaustion Sadness and Frustration You know that sense that life goes on And You just have to live with the pain You can't stop There's no point But at times it just feels acidic A little poisonous in your heart Your stomach Sometimes you're just tired Sometimes you're just tired But you can't really sleep There's no feeling to compare it to If you haven't lost somebody Unless you've had a really bad breakup And then that's like Some of it Some of it is like the really bad breakup feeling, definitely. You wake up and it's like, oh my God, they're gone, that's it. And some of the cliches that I never got with my dad, and I hear people talk about, I get them. Even at the post-funeral little party that we had, I literally thought, where am I going to sit my mom? You know, we find a place for my mom to sit. Like, almost visualized her walking through. Yeah, I think this one's going to be tougher. Honestly. And I only like sharing it, because I'll never know how I felt at this time. Again. And I didn't feel like writing. So this is now. Day five. Day five. Eileen's been gone for five days. <laughs> I can't really do that voice, man. Day five in the bereavement house. Dez prepares to go back to Ireland. And then to Australia. And he doesn't know how the fuck he's going to do it. But he'll do it. And I'll get back on stage. And I'll be happy with the distraction. Um. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope this was okay. hope you get something from it. If anything, hopefully it's entertaining. Although I don't know if it can be. Go and listen to the other one on the shift, too. My Instagram is at this bishop. Contact me there if you have any thoughts. Share anything. Some fucking suggestions (laughs) I'll be in Melbourne Start on Friday night I'm supposed to start Thursday But I'm canceling that Giving myself one more day I'll be on the project Friday night if you're in Australia Melbourne for a month And then Sydney And then I'm back here Irish tour in the autumn I'm in Vegas in May I'm in Long Island in May I'm in Chicago in June I'm in DC in June. And then the rest of the time I'm taking off. Cause I'm fucking exhausted. Deep. Deep to my core. And I know I'll burn out if I push it too hard by the time the summer ends. That happened to me with my dad. I had a fucking breakdown at the cat laughs. Not like a not like a nervous breakdown, but just like a meltdown. Like i was supposed to go on stage for goodnight cats. Somebody I know asked me something simple about my dad and fucking boom, that was it. Like, lights out. It all came out. So I'm aware of that now. I'm not going to push it too hard. I'll survive Australia and then power down. Peace. Peace.